Aloha, everyone, and welcome to the New Hope Oahu podcast. I am John Burgess, Sand Island Campus Pastor, and today we have our guest, Shawnee Chambers. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> our fourth through fifth grade overseer, and Shawnee's story is so powerful. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it today. It's going to impact you on a number of levels, so you're in for a treat. Here we go. All right, Shawnee, it has uh, been such a privilege to serve with you alongside our young people over these last years as campus pastor, but there's a lot of people that might be listening to this that don't actually know who you are. So how long have you been serving here at New Hope? Well, here at New Hope Oahu, I've been serving about eight years, seven or eight years. Yeah. Wow. So I started in youth ministry and I am still in youth ministry. Um, It is a joyous place to serve. Uh, I started with Amplify with Paul Brown, Pastor Paul, Mm -hmm. and um, eventually moved under Sayaka's leadership when she was here with Ignite. And um, when she left, I was able to take over uh, for Saturday evening Ignite services for our fourth and fifth graders. And so that's where I'm serving now. And I also work in the accounting department. I can speak for my own little dudes, my twins, that they love, love, love uh, coming on Saturday nights. And uh, how you guys serve our young people is such a blessing. We love them too. You have family. Tell us about your family. Yes, I have a mom and her name is Lisa. I have a twin sister, Michaela, and a little sister, Jessica. Uh, We actually moved here from Nebraska when I was 11. Nebraska? mm -hmm. It's a lot different than Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you when you moved? I was 11 years old, seventh grade. Okay. Very pivotal time of life to move to a new place. (laughs) That is. So maybe paint the picture of uh, Nebraska. What was life like there? Because I have no idea. Like, are you milking the cows? The are you <laughs> collecting the eggs? Are you feeding the pigs the slop? I have, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I've never lived that life. So uh, Nebraska is very farmy, but we did live in a little city. So, oh, okay. Uh, so we lived the city life, um, but it was a, a lot smaller than what I'm used to here in Hawaii now. Uh, we grew up in a really small church. It was awesome, though. Um, the pastor's daughter was our best friend. And I say our because Michaela and I, being twins, we basically shared everything in, until a certain point in our yes, teenage years. Yes, twins do that. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so we were very involved with church there, um, but we were very young. So it was uh, a little bit less intentional on my side. Um, but my mom was very adamant about raising us in the Christian church and took us to church two to three times a week. And it was awesome. We really enjoyed um, Nebraska. It was really hard to leave, and uh, but this is home now. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love Nebraska still, and I'll always rep rep Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> but I haven't been back <laughs> in like years. Oh, so. okay, yeah. all right. Well, maybe yeah. a return trip one of these days yes, will be in order. I think so. Well, hats off <laughs> to your your mom, a single mom, and a shout out to all the single moms that are out there. Yeah, that is an amazing, amazing job that mm-hmm. you are raising children on your own while also working. And uh, so that transition, though, you had just mentioned about moving at a pretty crucial time in your life from Nebraska, you're loving God, you're loving home, you're loving your community there to Hawaii, which is a whole different animal. I think moving to Hawaii, it was 
good in some aspects because it really opened up my eyes to um, the different kinds of people in the mm, world. Different and cultures. Hawaii, yeah, yeah, Hawaii has everything, basically. And so um, in Nebraska, it was a lot more closed off and uh, limited to knowledge of what the world has. And so I was always a really shy child. And um, anywhere outside of home, I barely talked. I, I didn't really have much of an opinion on anything. So I kind of just went with the flow. And I think uh, a pattern in my life was always to do what would be accepted. And so whatever the people around me, the people I liked or wanted to impress, I would kind of just go with the flow that they were setting for mm-hmm, me. So, mm-hmm. And you guys were so involved in your church back in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Did you get involved in a church here? Yeah, eventually, actually. We, um, we lived in a hotel for a while in Waikiki, and that was always fun. That's like every child's dream, right? To live in a hotel, eat vending machine snacks yeah. all the time, go to the pool. Um, but we ended up getting a place in Royal Kania. That's a part of Waipahu. And so um, to be <laughs> to be thrown in the middle of Waipahu <laughs> when you come to Hawaii. Now, for those uh, who can't see you, what's yes. your what's your race, yeah. your racial background? Um, so I'm African-American. My mom is white. My dad is black. Uh, and so my mom being a single mom, a lot of people <laughs> just didn't know what to think when they saw my mom with uh, three <laughs> African-American daughters. <laughs> Yeah, even in the 21st century, it's still a shocker for some people, and that's fine. I think it's fine. And so our neighbors, we ended up in a really great community full of uh, a bunch of kids that we got to grow up with. And um, one of our neighbors, we are still friends with them to this day, um, and they go to this church now too, but they invited us to New Hope Leeward, mm. and that they had just been planted, I think, like two, maybe a year or two before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got involved there with the Awanas program. Mm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was really awesome because our whole family was involved. And it was kind of just like having something to do at church was what I enjoyed. But I didn't ever really leave room for like a personal experience with Jesus. Okay. That kind of just didn't happen for me yet. Mm. It was like I believed in God and that was kind of the extent of it. And then mm-hmm. serving was fun. So uh, so I was very involved with that. And then Cakey Zone, which is their version of Children's Ark or was back then. Um, so we were involved in those ministries. Okay. And so you were busy with church life. Yes. Um, you were getting to know friends and that mm-hmm. kind of thing in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, what was that place where you began to sense something's changing on the inside? I think uh, freshman year of high school, that's always a rocky place oh, for boy. most people. Yes. Um, so I, I got into cheerleading. That was actually really exciting oh. for me. Do you know some good cheers go fight win oh you know what come on you You, you gotta let us hear i think you'll enjoy this one okay uh we cheered about burritos at my (laughs) school (laughs) okay i'm in i've never heard this one okay uh i don't remember exactly how it went but it's like hey burrito and then the crowd would go hey (laughs) Hey, burrito burrito. and then it's hey 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 burrito and then you echo it hey 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 burrito Uh oh yeah burrito yeah (laughs) and Wait. And it's just an echo back and forth. And then and then we just end with like a, a shaka up in the air. Oh my goodness. Wow. I don't understand really. Wow. Yeah, like who is that for? Um like <laughs> the hungry people. Okay. We we're promoting the snack the stand. Snack bar sold out of burritos every time you did that. Yes, it's subliminal basically. suggestion. Yeah, the I, the cheerleaders in my high school would do uh go bananas b a n n n a s go banana right did yeah. you guys do that one no oh that okay. sounds like a, a familiar song <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's as far as I'm going to go yes, with the cheerleading yes, thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Bananas, burritos, you're a freshman in high school. What's going on? There are lots okay. of emotions, lots of feelings. What's yeah. happening? Okay. So uh, cheerleaders are not bad. That's not what I'm saying. But that was <laughs> where I got some, uh, like, maybe a little bit of a negative influence where it was like, I don't really have to do what my mom says anymore. Okay. That's kind of the click that I had mm -hmm. in my mind. Eventually, I stopped enjoying going to church, probably because I got busy at school. And uh, I was never really involved in school things before. The worst part of how church became worship for me, oh, uh, which is ironically my favorite part about church. Mm. <laughs> and so, mm. uh, so worship was hard for me, I think, because I would witness my mom experiencing God, sometimes in an, an emotional way or in a way that just made her really express her love for us more. And that became unappealing to me. And I, I really can't explain why. So I started making my family late for church so we would miss worship. Ah, so you're that. one of those. <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> I, I, I always see people coming in, you know, after worship, and I'm like, yeah. you guys just missed the best part. Yeah. Come on. But but it's interesting what you note about the difference between um, being active in religion, like you had, you were at lots of activities, mm -hmm. religious activities, yeah. but there was no relationship. Yeah. And I think that, and maybe even um, when you see your mom having this ongoing relationship as expressed, you know, in worship. Yeah. Uh, because you didn't have that, because you didn't know what that was like. Maybe there was even a resentment yeah. towards that or a jealousy. When I look back, it's, I can feel the hardness that was in my heart and it's a, a pain now. Like, mm -hmm. not, and I, I know God has like definitely changed all of that, but it's like a, a hurt that I wish that didn't happen, but God did some beautiful things with it. And so along with not not wanting to be there at church, what began to happen to those biblical convictions that you had had as a, as a young person? Did they matter anymore? Oh, man, I feel like they mattered because they kind of served as a moral compass for mm. me still, um, but they were definitely on the back burner. As new people entered my life, I was more open to um, to like letting go of those things or just considering them not important for my life. Okay. So very um, postmodern, if mm -hmm. you will. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kind of the, uh, was it the kind of statement that, well, if God loves me, he just wants me to be happy exactly. kind of a thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And where did that path lead you? Yeah. Uh, so we, we can jump into my job. So okay. I, I started working at 15, um, a couple different jobs. Um, but this one, Subway, was one of my longest. Oh, man. I love Subway. Uh this company I worked for was amazing. You and still love it after working. Yeah, it, wow. not necessarily eating the food. I do like their food, but the, this company I worked for okay. is the big, the big part of it. You and, know? and I have to ask, as a foodie, what's your favorite, favorite sub? sandwich? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm very simple. I like the tuna sandwich as my like go-to. Oh, just, there is. I know a, it's they weird. have a good tuna. They yeah. do. It's yeah. simple, uh, but my favorite is probably the cheesesteak wrap. Oh. Yeah, you got to do the spinach wrap and oh, really? yeah, Philly cheesesteak. I haven't tried that yeah. yet. Uh, yep. I'm really into cheesesteak, yeah. but I haven't tried oh, theirs. You should definitely go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, after this podcast, okay. we'll do a subway run. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, I get sidetracked by food. Um, so you're working at Subway, love the company. I ended up moving. We moved from Kunia to Waianae, of all places. And we still went to Waipahu High School, so... A middle ground was Kapolei, and okay. my company owned one of the Kapolei locations, actually a couple. So I started working there, made some uh, great friends right away. It was awesome. They were so friendly. Uh, but one of the one of my coworkers um, 
back, you know, in high school, it's very easy to uh, catch feelings, as they say now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so somebody uh, that I had met on my first day was very um, quick to express their feelings for me. And um, I was flattered because attention always feels great, right? Uh, if we're if we're open to it. And um, this person was a girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she was really nice. And I was never like, mean I was always a nice person I always like enjoyed being friends with everyone and so um I kind of was like oh no thank you but we can still be friends you know oh, so she was wanting to be your girlfriend yes but not like hey girl no. let's be friends but like <laughs> girlfriend yes okay sorry okay. I didn't express that very well <laughs> um but yeah so so I I always knew um and with that moral compass and the um the religious beliefs like yeah. it wasn't okay with God to be in a homosexual lifestyle. Mm, mm. And so I didn't really know much more than that. I probably only knew one person distantly in my life before uh, meeting this person that was gay mm -hmm. or a lesbian. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I had a couple of their friends in high school that I was becoming close with. But besides that, I didn't really know much, you know. It was just, okay, no, we don't do that. And mm -hmm. we love everyone. And so that's where I stuck. And... Um, as I shared that with my family, I shared it as kind of like a joke, like, oh, can you believe this? A girl likes me. Um, and after a while, uh, as I became her friend, it was more of a, oh, Shawnee, are you doing this now? And so um, once I get questioned, I can become defensive. Can you ever mm, <laughs> relate with that? Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I think I'm better at it now. But um, if I'm questioned on something that I'm not doing, I get defensive or I would get defensive. And so I began isolating myself and feeling like my family wasn't there for me, my friends weren't there for me. Um, and instead of turning to my friends that were more solid and uh, steady in their, just in, in life in general, but also in their Christian walk, I decided to turn to some of my friends who were in, a, in homosexual lifestyles. And so became closer with them, um, got some advice from them, and, uh, and then ended up getting close to this girl, coworker, friend, and we pursued a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I, I decided that was best for me because she gave me attention. She loved me unconditionally is what it felt like. And um, we just went for it. I just, I was okay with it all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. And and you, I love the, the transparency that you're sharing this with because it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It doesn't. No, it's uh, a lot of times people go, how in the world could you ever do that, right, right when you're mm -hmm. in sin? But you, if you back it up, it wasn't just that one point. Right. It was a, a long series of, of small compromises, and it began really as you began to distance yourself from God, right? Mm -hmm. And for there's there's a lot of people out here, and that's why I'm so thankful you're sharing this story, Shani, um, that feel those exact same emotions. In fact, they don't understand why if God loves them, he wouldn't want them to be happy, regardless of who it is that they're, right. they're dating or have a relationship with. And I just wanted to just take a quick aside for those who don't have a Christian background and aren't aren't clear on what Shawnee was, what she grew up in, the tradition that she grew up in the Christian world. Uh, we, we find out even from the beginning in Genesis between Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2, that uh, it's relationships are supposed to be between a man and a woman, especially sexual relationships. The Levitical laws of purity for the Jews, Leviticus eighteen twenty two. But a, there's a lot of there's a, a growing movement right now that that most people are aware of of many many Christians looking at that and just going, hey, that's an Old Testament 
thought um, that Jesus has, has come and, and fulfilled all of the Old Testament. Therefore, those rules in the Old Testament against homosexuality and a gay lifestyle, that doesn't apply anymore. And, and yet there's a number of examples that actually are consistent with what we read about in the Old Testament. Just a few, 1 Timothy 1.10, uh, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine, these things are not of the Lord. Romans 1.26-27, 1 Corinthians 6.27. Uh, 9 through 10, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Jude 1 7. Again, I'm, I'm just saying all these things because I feel like our, I want our audience to know that even if you've never even heard of these verses, or maybe you've had some kind of an angry Christian yelling these verses Mm, in your face or posting them um, in a passive-aggressive way on your your Facebook post or Instagram, um, uh, that's not our goal here. There's no no drive-by guiltings here. Our our goal in sharing this story and even sharing these scriptures is just so that you would know that according to our Christian faith, we know that God has made it clear that uh, right along with homosexuality, um, living in adultery, uh, having sex before marriage, all of these things are things that our God says, this is not the best for you. This is sin, and it's actually not going to set you up for success. And so I just wanted to take that quick aside for those that might be listening, can totally relate with your story and don't understand what the big deal is, yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you you knew that even as you were making this choice, you were making there was a demarcation. You were saying, I'm leaving behind the way that I was raised to follow what feels good to me right, right now, right? Exactly. So how was your family affected by this? Oh, in so many ways. Um, my sisters who, especially Michaela, she was my best friend growing up. Sure. Um, Jessica is six years younger, so she became my best friend uh, a few years back. Mm. <laughs> They're both my best friends now. Um, but Michaela and I had a huge riff in our relationship, and I lied a lot. I lied a lot to my whole family. Mm. Um my mom, uh, my sole provider and my um, sole parent, you know, she uh, she was extremely hurt by it. But uh, it's very apparent that she prayed th- for me through the whole thing, you know, um, through all of the arguments, because we had many arguments about this. Um, I ran away from home. Oh, okay. I think uh, one time I was successful and <laughs> ran uh to work basically not ran rode the bus to work in Cunia so that's quite a a ways away and Mm. just all the worry and um just stress that I brought to my mom was really heavy um but yeah just I kind of tore up our relationships for a while and so you were finding um no acceptance at home Mm -hmm. and full acceptance in the the homosexual gay lifestyle that you were Correct. in, right? And yes. so why in the world would you not continue with right. that, right? It just right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, and so one decision led to another, and there's so much more to this story. Um, and I know that those who are listening right now, I just want to encourage you to stick around. We're going to take a quick break, but then when we come back, Sean is going to continue to tell us how God got her heart in the middle of all of this. We'll be right back.
Hey, this is Garrett, the producer of the show. I just wanted to let you know during the break that if you want to find out more about New Hope Oahu and who we are as a church, you can find us at www.enewhope.org. You can follow us on Instagram at New Hope Oahu or Facebook, New Hope Hawaii. Or if you would like to support our podcast or our church, you can by going to enewhope.org slash give. Welcome back. We're talking with Shawnee Chambers, our fourth through fifth grade overseer, and uh, her story is amazing. If you've been listening so far, just really thankful for your transparency. Speaking of the fact that you minister to our young people, I just wanted to share a couple quick stats before getting back into our our story here, 24% of Gen Z, which is primarily who you work with, um, strongly agrees that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. Do you find this to be true with the young people you work with? Yeah, I, I do. I think um, the fourth and fifth graders are a little bit, they're still like very uh, innocent and pure in most cases, you know, mm-hmm. and I think they're exposed to a bunch of things. Um, if I can share one thing that we've been doing, absolutely. Uh, I just tried it recently, and we had on Saturday night. We sat down instead of a regular like message that we would usually do. We sat down and had all the kids do a discussion about like the message, mm-hmm. and it was so cool because I didn't really ask questions when I was younger. Uh, things that I probably was thinking about, I didn't ask anyone. So my opinions and my stance on things didn't develop, and so. Having these discussions with these younger kids, are it's really exciting because I see their opinions coming out and it's awesome to like encourage the more shy, um, non-talkative ones that might end up having uh, making decisions based off of no opinion like how I did, you know? Mm, so no. that was really cool. Um, and I think that's really important is to have discussions at home, at church, wherever you're at. And so I would encourage parents to do that because it's really important. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that you're creating that safe environment for our young people to ask questions because questions is how we learn mm-hmm. versus this, you know, just someone standing up on stage telling you yeah. what you should believe. Right. And that's really what I hope everyone listening here understands is this is we're inviting a dialogue that uh, that you are welcome to ask questions. Yeah. Um, and, and regardless of where you come down on what it is that we're talking about here today, but as you grew distant from God, you began to hold less towards the word of God, which we believe in the Christian faith is unchanging. That is, his standards and morals and truth are unchanging, even in the midst of a constantly changing culture. But if you're no longer held to that standard, then you can basically do whatever you feel like doing and whatever is your truth, right? Hey, you know, you speak your truth is kind of the phrase these days. Um, and so you were living out your truth. How How, how is that working for you? Ooh, it wasn't working. <laughs> Not at all. We... My family and I experienced a lot of tension and um, disconnect because of how much I was lying. And um, I was really set in my ways. Like, I tried to lie so much that I started convincing myself that my lies were truth. But if we say it enough, it starts sounding Mm -hmm. true, right? It does, yeah. Yeah. And then the more you lie, the more you have to lie more to cover up Mm. the other lies. Mm -hmm. It's a It's a vicious cycle. It is. And so um, I realize now I was very thoughtless, selfish, disobedient to God and my mom. And I did a lot to keep the relationship that I was in a secret, even though 
everyone knew it was happening. I just decided this is not something I was like, I knew in, in my heart uh, that it was not something I was okay with. It wasn't comfortable for me uh, to be out in a lesbian relationship. Yeah. And so I kept it a secret. And for a while, my girlfriend also kept up with it. She was fine with it. So it was awesome. It was a win-win for me. You yeah. know? I didn't want to hurt anyone. I didn't want to hurt her by breaking up with her. I did care for her. And I think I, I hear a lot of people who get into unhealthy relationships uh, say, oh, that wasn't love. It was it was like not real love. I think it's love. It was love, but it was a, a really immature, distorted version of love. And so I don't want to discredit at all um, people in these types of relationships. I, I do want to challenge that maybe um, it might be the wrong decision, though. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. I was trying to, um, as much as I could, cover up this relationship. Um, and so this amazing opportunity was offered to me uh, by by a friend who didn't know about my girlfriend. Um, he was my friend since uh, my freshman year, and I was a senior now. And he asked me to go to prom with him. And I was like, oh, perfect. No one will... I'm going to bring my girlfriend to prom, too, as my friend, because she couldn't go to her prom, was my reasoning. Uh, I was telling everyone, but I could still have a guy to go with, so it didn't look like I was a lesbian. And um, after that, he also asked me to date him, and I responded yes for a couple of reasons. Um, One was to keep hiding my girl relationship, my relationship with my girlfriend, Um, but also uh, I didn't like hurting people, even though it's ironic because I was hurting so many people with all of these decisions I was making. Um, but I didn't want to hurt him. And so I said yes, because I just was a yes person. Um, another reason was I just longed for this affection and attention and I couldn't identify it then, but, um, but yeah, it was something that I really, really hungered for. And so wherever I was offered it, I would take it. It was, that was a pretty easy decision for me. So I I had, I had a, my sister had a good friend. She was my friend too, but she was really close with Michaela. And um, this friend always struggled with feelings for some of her girlfriends. She was kind of, um, she felt that she was a lesbian, but she didn't want to come out either. But she decided, I do want to come out. And so uh, she came to me one one night and she was like, "Um, you know, I'm really envious of this relationship you have because she knew about my relationship and she was someone I could confide in. Um, so she knew about it and she said, I'm, I'm envious. I want to have a relationship like you. Uh, and I want to have that relationship with you. And, uh, I said, oh my goodness. All right. What do I do? I saw that she was hurting. I saw that I was getting more attention. And so I said, yes. And so, uh, added on relationship number three and it was just a mess, but it was also exciting for a moment, Mm. you know? Three people. Three people. Two girls and a guy. So at the core of it, I love how you said, um, I, I wanted to be wanted. I, mm-hmm. wa- I wanted to be desired. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be ha- have the attention on me. And wouldn't you say that even for those who are listening going, I would never do that. Um, I think at the core of some of the worst decisions we make, mm-hmm. it's that longing to be noticed and wanted and loved. Like how, how often do you come across um, some of our young men and our young women posting way too much disclosing, way too much showing, way too much right. online just for the sake of can I get more likes, right. can I get more followers? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see that? I see that a lot. And there's all sorts of different reasons and captions that will go under. It's all unnecessary at the end of the day. It's It really is just a cry for um, 
attention and I don't mean that in a any kind of patronizing no. or demeaning way. It's just we all hurt mm-hmm. and um to admit that and come clean with it is the first step of like having a real fulfilling life without like grasping onto those things that are really unhealthy for us, like mm. the cries for attention. So mm, that's so good. And so um, you were doing in real life what most people only do virtually. <laughs> you, you, yes, you, I was. You were carrying on a couple different <laughs> relationships. Um, what did this? What did this lead to? Oh, um, just more mess. Um, and I always tell um, people, I think that God, <laughs> so He put something in me that required me to. Uh, be taught by experience. Mm. I, I think um, Pastor Wayne says this, right? Like there's two teachers, experience and wisdom or yes, something. Yes, which um, will you be taught by? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Experience is the road I've chosen so many times. <laughs> so hopefully those listening can learn from her <laughs> experience. experience. That please. would be the wise thing to do here. <laughs> that is my hope. <laughs> As I tried to balance these three relationships and keep my family from knowing the truth, I basically just let them see that I was dating the guy and that was my life was normal again, you know, and we didn't talk about it. Like I created this bubble around me, but it wasn't a soft, like squishy bubble. It was a bubble made out of spikes and thorns. Mm. <laughs> so nobody could approach me. Mm. And so if mm. my mom tried, it, I would just, you know, poker and not physically, but mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphorically. Um, but anyways, I made it very difficult to discuss or process through anything. And that's also hard as as people. Like we we have things that we just don't want to touch, right? Sure. sure. And so that took a long time. But um, I was trying to balance these relationships, and for several months I did. But eventually, God provided a way out for me out of two of these relationships. Uh, the two, the second two relationships. Um, those two people went off to college in other states, and so I was like, oh, I guess it's time to break up, you know. And so that took off a weight from my plate. Which is interesting because you may not have um, taken time to think it through then, but if you're looking at these relationships as a weight, then they're probably not good relationships in the first place. If there's a relief when they're no longer around, it's like, uh, maybe that wasn't healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All four of us are graduating seniors, you know? Mm -hmm. And so another... important time in life. And I didn't have many plans. So uh, we kept on going. Um, We had, um, I actually ended up getting my mom to let her move in with us. Uh, I convinced my mom. Actually, I don't know if my mom was convinced. Um, I think my mom was kind of just trying to work with what she had Mm -hmm. and um, keeping me close and in relationship with her was probably uh, what she felt like the Lord needed her to do. Mm. And so she had gotten kicked out of her house, technically. I'm sure she could have gone back, but we took it as this big dramatic thing that was like the end of the world and she needed a place to stay. I was manip- manipulative with my mom because she had always welcomed people into our home. Um, multiple friends over the years had stayed with us for long periods of time because they just didn't have a place. And um, my mom has always been a very kind and compassionate woman, very, very much to a fault in this situation, mm-hmm. I think. It, yeah. But it was good. I think it would, I would have possibly hardened my heart even more if my mom said no. I probably would have, I don't know, ran off somewhere again. But I was an adult this time. So anyway, she was living with us, uh, also going to church at New Hope Leeward still. <laughs> and so not enjoying it that much. But I was at a more peaceful place where I didn't feel like pressured by being at church. And so... Um, there was a couple of times my mom had talked to some of my youth pastors, amazing pastors, um, 
uh, I want to shout them out. Justin Masudo was my one of my youth oh, pastors. He's, he's awesome. also my great friend now. And Brandon Ahu. And okay. so my mom pulled them into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Two awesome uh, ministers. Oh, right man. There. I was so embarrassed. But uh, it was all for the better, I think. And when they, when they approached you real quick, they, it wasn't with condemnation, was it? It wasn't no. at all. Yeah. No. Oh, I, my god. I know those two guys. I yes. didn't know they were in this story. But <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yes. yeah. And, and so even with that, you were probably expecting a rebuke, Mm -hmm. right? Rebuff or like condemnation. But instead, what did you get? I got love and just like care. They just wanted to hear me out more. And it was more of, they wanted to help my mom too. So they weren't, they kind of talked to me because of my mom, um, but they didn't talk to me like in a way that was like confrontational at all. It was just like, how are you doing? You know, if nothing else, building a bridge back to God, right? Yes, I think so. And um, it's funny cause I went and served with them after when I did come back to, mm. oh, I don't want to spoil the story, mm. <laughs> but, um, <No> spoilers. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to church. We see this advertisement or promotion for, uh, going to the Philippines with New Hope Leeward. It was a really big mission trip with, um, partnered with Compassion International. There was about 40 people that ended up going, I think probably more like 60 that signed up in the first place. But, um, I didn't know anything about really like trusting God and mission trips and stuff. It was just like, I think more of a humanitarian trip for us. And so, um, so we both were like, let's go on this trip. Let's help little kids and let's build some houses after the storm that happened. Mm -hmm. And so saved up money. I worked super hard and saved money for both of us to go. And, um, my mom and my sisters were like, okay, we're going to, and I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) why are you coming everywhere? I'm going. (laughs) Um, but God really was working in that because, um, the weekend before we left for the Philippines, it was in March of 2010. Yeah. March of 2010. Uh, my girlfriend, called me and told me she wouldn't be coming. A lot had transpired in those last few months. Uh, We ended up technically breaking up (laughs) because she wanted to be very public with our relationship. And I think getting out of high school made her see like, this is what I want. And if you can't give it to me, I might need to move on. Sure. It was very, very emotional time. And at that point, I told God, I don't care about you. And I don't think I even want you in my life anymore because that was, I knew that's what was keeping me from going public, more public, you know, because um, of the conviction that God had placed in my heart um, because of what I knew was truth, but I didn't want to identify it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we ended up kind of breaking up, but we still continued the relationship. It was kind of like the tables had turned and um, she was dating someone else, but also keeping me the secret. And so I got a little taste of my own medicine. Um, <laughs> and you're wasn't like, this too is sweet. Not good. <laughs> no, this is not good. It wasn't. Um, and so uh, I, there was a lot of hurt that happened in that too, and a lot of more bad decisions that I made to get her attention back. And so um, God really worked in it though. But when she called and told me she wasn't coming, I was mortified, angry, like so upset. I saved money for this girl, and I wasn't getting that money back. You know. And also I I lost out on this experience with her is what I was feeling. And so I was like, I'm staying home. And my mom's like, oh, no, you aren't. (laughs) You're coming to the Philippines with us because she couldn't trust me alone at home, you know. And so I get to the Philippines. My heart is like super hard, harder than ever. And in this foreign place with all these people I'm not close to and with my family that I can't stand. My sister, Michaela, actually like didn't want to be around me so much so that she roomed with someone else 
this other lady that was really awesome. Um, but also she had just recently reaccepted Christ too. Mm, too. So mm. she was kind of living her like a good life at yeah. that time. And um, so my mom and my little sister were stuck with me. Poor Jessica. Um, <laughs> and so uh, as the trip went on, it, my I kind of softened a little more. I think just people like... I don't know if you know Pastor Kiola's wife, Babs. Mm -hmm. um, she was mm -hmm. on that trip. It, oh, that was before okay. they were married, oh. um, before they met, I think. And so I was meeting all these people that God would later use in my life in an even bigger role as she's one of my mentors now. It, they just softened, softened little places in my heart. And I just had a little bit of a good time, you know, here and there uh, doing what God wanted us to do in the Philippines. And um, but I didn't credit any of it to God. It was all just, OK, we're here. Let's get out of here. And I just kept thinking about my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. At one point, we were sitting on a bus. We had these giant buses we were traveling in. And one of my friends, um, while we were waiting for the rest of the group, one of my friends, his name was John. He um, he had this crazy backstory and testimony and um once he like accepted god into his heart he he vowed to like share through rap because he liked rapping um but he wanted to redeem that and make it a positive wow. source for people to receive the lord and so he was rapping on the tour bus and i liked rap and nice and he was like really cool and stuff so i was kind of just paying attention to him and his story was crazy i mean like my story's crazy, but I was like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> I mean, there was like... But here he is full on in love with Jesus. He was full on in yeah, love with Jesus. Yeah. And so instantly in my mind, as I noticed all of the aspects of his life that were changed, I was like, oh my gosh, my life's not that bad. Like, God can change. And I don't oh. know how that thought came into my mind. Yeah, yeah. That God could change my life oh, too. I love it. I love it. It was the Lord, you know? Yeah. Like, I can't explain it any other way, especially because when we came back from the Philippines, everything was different. Like I was able to not saying cutting ties with people or like is the best thing all the time. Um, or that this, that my ex-girlfriend's life wasn't valuable to me, but I needed to cut ties yes. with her in order to grow in what, what God was doing in my life. And so cut those ties and it was just a fresh start for me. Almost instantly I started serving at the high school ministry at New Hope Leeward Epic. And it was just like a new life for me, like wow. right away. I, I don't even, I can't explain it still, but saying that God was moving. Yeah. And so rather than it being uh, condemnation, it was conviction. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. what was there repentance involved? Was there kind of a coming yes. clean? Did you confess? Uh -huh. I think it took a while for me to really confess with my family. Yeah. I think it was more through like actions that it, I started repenting kind of and just kind of um, just rekindling our relationships. Yeah. I eventually I, I needed to apologize Um and, and that did happen. It, it took a while, probably. And I also apologized to those three people that I was dating. And that was that took probably like the next year to do. Yeah, yeah, but that's it was, powerful, though. It was. It was. And did you huge. feel like a weight lifted when you came back to the God that you were ignoring? Mm -hmm. Did you feel like there was a weight lifted when you finally yeah, came clean? I felt like, like, oh, <laughs> like just thinking about it now, I just felt so light, like, floating light. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird. But, no, that's but it, awesome. it was, there was so much joy, like mm -hmm. the joy of my childhood. Kind oh, of, like you your know? innocence was restored. Yeah. 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 So God totally went after you Used this mission trip to get your, yeah. get your, um, your heart back. Uh -huh. Right. And, and so now here you are as a youth pastor, what would you tell those who, um, are struggling with 
these kind of emotions. Um, maybe they're in a homosexual lifestyle. Uh, maybe they don't think the church has anything, um, you know, to offer them anymore, or that they're just going to get rejected. Hearing hearing your story, my prayer is that the same thing that happened for you when you heard that that guy's story on the bus that you would realize, oh my gosh. Uh, if God could love him, even with all the things he did, God could love me. What would you say to them? Oh, I would say just just try, just come around and be open to God. Like, don't let people be Jesus to you. I mean, I know we say we might be the only Jesus people experience, and that's so true, and there's so much power in that. But when it comes to someone who who feels condemned, I think they have to remove themselves from, like, people being Jesus and just let Jesus be Jesus, you know? And so come be like encouraged by the messages and by worship and just make the sole point of being at church to just experience God and like let God talk to them. Relationships are really important to it too, like getting good people around you that, that you can talk about this with, like make it a dialogue and don't just say, oh, people are going to judge me, you know? Some people will. Some people have some skewed views on like how God says to love others. And so it's not like, okay, let's sit down and have coffee the first time we meet and let me like disagree with you. But it's like build the relationship and be open to those conversations. And once it gets sticky, don't just run away, you know, Um, because I ran away a lot of times. Yeah. And how much do you think we didn't really get into this, but as we're closing, I feel like this is a real key uh, to your story and maybe a lot of others that are listening right now. How much do you think the decisions that you made that you later look back on and realize, man, these were destructive. This was not um, for my best. How much do you think that tied into the the lack of a father or a father's love? Oh, I would say like almost completely, like mm. oh, like 90%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't have my dad in my life and I still don't unless I reach out to him. And so there's a lot involved in that. And it's yeah, still that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Next time on yeah. podcast. With New Hope. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it, it definitely affected me a lot. And I think that was a missing part. And I think statistics will tell you um, fatherless households, especially even more in like African-Americans, which is hard because my family is mixed, but it really takes a toll on the outcome of the child's life. And so um, my dad not being there, I definitely reached out for others, other, other people to fill that. And I wish I would have reached out for my, like my mom instead, but you know, God moved through this and um, I didn't realize what I was doing then, but now I can identify, you know, ab- abandonment sucks and we often will feel that when people are missing from our lives but god can restore that and i actually have just the scripture that was really encouraging to me it's psalm 34 18 it says the lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit and i truly believe that uh just reading the psalms will like encourage the heck out of you in your darkest times because david and other psalmists were in those places, you know. And so that encourages me a lot. The Bible is like my source of hope and my source of strength. So be sad, but reach out for hope and help. Yeah. And and I, I have a feeling there's a lot that are probably wondering. So you're a single woman mm-hmm. and do you want to get married? Do you yes. feel like God has a guy for you? Yes, I do. Okay. Because I, I was just having this great conversation with Pastor oh Pua. My God. And, uh, you know, and, and we were talking about just how all of us deal with uh, sexual desires that are, if they're not submitted to the word of God, they end up derailing God's yeah. plan for our lives. 
how do you navigate that? Being a single woman, you're in ministry, you're, you know that God has a guy for you, but you don't have to wait till then to be the fullness of who God's made you to be right now. I know not everyone loves the word seasons, but there are seasons, times in our lives that things will be like really awesome. And I, I feel like, oh man, God is really doing so much. I don't even need to worry about getting married right now, you know? Uh, but then other times it could be like a random day that's like, oh, I'm bummed, you know? All mm -hmm. my friends are married now. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but um, in reality, like God places people in our lives and he places like encouraging moments in our lives. And it really reveals to me how like he is moving and he has made my life full, so full that I don't really need to worry about that. You know, I mean, I never had to worry about it, but I choose to, <laughs> I think just accepting the fact that God can fill your life with amazing um, purpose without yeah. all the things we might desire. You don't I need mean, someone else to complete yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I don't ever get married, like, I think I, I'll be fine. I think I'll be sad some days, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like God is moving in my life and he uses me and people so, remind me of that. So true. Yeah. So true. So I'm so grateful. Yeah. No, he, he shines through you. Um, every, every time I hear you speak or I watch you praying with our, our young people or just playing games, it's like, uh, I can really see Jesus all over Thank you. you. And, and especially in this story and your willingness to share it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And I'm really, really thankful for your time, Shawnee. And I, I just wanted to close with this thought because this is such a, uh, it's become, homosexuality has become such a political, polarizing topic mm -hmm. that anytime you talk about it, you instantly have a downpour of people from one side or the other, mm -hmm. usually not seeking a civil dialogue, mm -hmm. usually seeking to trash you. Right. And so if that's you, and you're listening right now. Let me please, first of all, ask that you would hear our heart, and it's the heart of, of the Heavenly Father. I want to close uh, just referring to the parable of the prodigal son. It's called the parable of the prodigal son, but it's I think it's actually more about the father. The father and how he relates to his two sons. For those who aren't familiar, the younger son... He takes his inheritance early, he squanders it, he lives in sin, he spends it on prostitutes and partying and then finds himself eating with pigs. And he thinks, man, if I just go home and work for my dad, even as an employee, um, I'll, I'll have a better life than I have right now trying to do it on my own. Meanwhile, the older son is there. He's been faithful. He's always made responsible decisions. He's never met, left home, but he is embittered when his father sees his younger son coming and meets him on the road and welcomes him home and has a big old barbecue. He cannot believe that he'll just accept him that freely. And the, the idea of the, the heavenly father, I think really we really all need to come back to that because it's painful to see many Christians reacting out of fear and self-righteousness, pushing away those in the homosexual lifestyle. Many of us are responding as the older brother to the lifestyle of the younger brother, and neither were right. Um, as Christians, it's only through the love of the Father and through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus, that we can be made whole and holy. We started our relationship out, out by faith. Each and every one of us who are listening to this, if you're a person of faith, we all started out by faith. So what makes us think we can continue our relationship in the flesh or even fleshly works that look religious in nature, right? It, it's only by faith. It's only by grace. I'm a sinner in need of the Father's love and forgiveness. And those who have been forgiven much love much. And I think some of us Christians, we've forgotten how much we've been forgiven of. Maybe our sins were different, like my sins are different from Shawnee's, but we're, we both have sins and we've both been graciously forgiven by our God. If I live according to this truth, 
then I'm not going to view homosexuality different than any other sin that separates a person from God. That I'll welcome and allow gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, um, queer to seek God in our church, standing alongside the adulterer, the the porn addict, the alcoholic, um, those that um, have cheated on their their wife uh, or their husband, that all of us come in because we all need the father, the younger son, the older son, the homosexual, the heterosexual, every last one of us need the father's love. And again, the father's love wasn't saying, hey, what you did was right. The father's love, though, was the door back home. And um, and so that's why I'm really thankful for your willingness to share this story. Is there any last words that you'd want to share with those who are listening? Like you said, let's let's love like Jesus does and and not shut people out. Let's be slower to do that. <laughs> if this was encouraging to you, please uh, be civil in your comments. But we'd love to be able to hear your thoughts and your comments and and maybe even start some dialogues. If you're relating with what it is that, that Shawnee was talking about, we'd love to be able to hear from you. And if this is helpful for you, uh, then share it with others and uh, and let us know what it is that we can do to continue to serve you and your walk with the Lord. The whole goal of this podcast is inspiration through story, but transformation through the Word of God. Thanks again, Shawnee, for your time today. Thank you. And thanks to each and every one of you who listen, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. God bless.